Hello to you all, it's Molly here. Welcome to this week's episode of In Fairness Inquire, Roscommon Artists, a special series of our podcast which is dedicated to interviewing astounding creative artists that are based here at home in Roscommon. In these interviews, we're going to be talking to actors, theatre makers, drama facilitators, comedians, writers, directors, poets, producers, a dancer and a weaver. We're going to be discussing how they started in their profession, obstacles they have faced along the way, how they've been impacted by the pandemic, the importance of creativity in their lives, their influences, how they stay motivated to keep creating, and most importantly, how you, the listener, can support their work. We want to make audiences all around the world aware of the constant stream of Roscommon-based creative work, and we also hope this series might encourage some of you to support local art, recognise its necessity, and maybe even pursue some creative endeavours of your own. This series comes to you thanks to the generous support of Roscommon County Council, who have kindly commissioned this series and endorsed us with the necessary equipment and software to record the interviews safely and remotely during the summer of 2021. Fregoli Theatre Company were formed in 2007 and named themselves after the quick-change theatre artist Leopold Fregoli, channelling that same high-energy and adrenaline-filled style of performance. We are joined in this interview by newest member Tara Finn, who joined in 2019 as an actor, Jarlath Tivnan, actor and writer, and Kate Murray, actor and director, who both joined the company in 2011. After Maria Tivnan, their artistic director, and Rob McFeely performed Disco Pigs by Enda Walsh at the ISDA Festival in 2007, they were awarded Best Actress and Best Director for their work, and encouraged by Gina Moxley, one of the judges, to continue their work in a theatre company. As the company grew and adapted over the years, they have shifted focus to work primarily on original scripts. Fregoli are motivated to tell stories of their time and generation. Jarlath tells us about his original play Pleasure Ground, which they toured nationally, which deals with topics of small Irish communities, mental health and emigration. Another original work by Jarlath is You Could Be Us, which comments on social media pressures. The theme for their 2020 residency in Roscommon Arts Centre was Finding Home, Come March 2020, the company found themselves rapidly responding to the crises they witnessed through the news, which both enhanced their theme and challenged it in ways they never imagined. Fregoli persevered through the pandemic like many of us on Zoom, where they worked together to get these ideas into some shape of work, resulting in the likes of a filmed performance piece called I Want You to Know Me, which explored domestic violence from a child's perspective and Home for Christmas, a response to open call submissions, sharing memories of Christmas and visualising what to expect for the Christmas of 2020. As Tara puts it, the personal stories ground them in their exploration and encourage them to keep working. In this interview, we have a really interesting chat about the future of theatre after the pandemic and how many digital mediums can be used to enhance a live performance and how live streaming can actually make theatre way more accessible if done right. For the company, the residency was imagined as an upskilling and developmental period for the company, with many in-person workshops planned, which had to be rescheduled. Fregoli changed tactic and used this newfound time to work on the script for Cross Street, a new work by Jarla Tivnan, which will hopefully premiere this side of Christmas. The lockdowns also bought the company time to discuss ideas on Zoom and to comfortably try things out by creating digital solo pieces. The summer of 2021 saw the company get back into the Arts Centre for some in-person workshops, as well as carrying out their own facilitation in the Direct Provision Centre in Balladrine as a part of the community engagement element of their residency. The company held outdoor workshops with them in July, the theme being Share. They shared simple games, exercises, music and dance with the groups, introducing their cultures to each other and providing a space for them to connect and have fun despite language barriers. Fogoli shared interesting and helpful points about drama facilitation with us, which may be helpful for anyone listening who may want to delve into this work. 
They also explore what binds them together as a company, why they do the work that they do, the advantages to being rural based and tips for anyone thinking of starting a theatre company. That's all for now. I'll let you go ahead and listen to this lovely chat with the guys. Thank you so much for tuning in and you can catch us at the end of this interview for a few more updates. All right, good luck to you. In Cross Street, Enid is searching for a new home. She finds a place on Cross Street, a place of routine, a place populated by some pretty serious creatures of habit. Enid's arrival threatens to disrupt well-worn grooves. A house meeting is called to re-establish order. But this stormy night has other things planned. A drama with hints of horror and comedy, Cross Street is written by Charlotte Stivnan and is being developed by Frigoli as a part of the residency at the Roscommon Arts Centre. And the residency is supported by the Arts Council, Creative Ireland and Roscommon Arts Centre. Cross Street will debut at the Roscommon Arts Centre November 25th to 27th, COVID permitting. The cast includes Charlotte Tivnan, Kate Murray, Peter Shine and Tracy Bruin. Episode, we are joined by three members of the lovely Fergoli Theatre Company. How Woo-hoo! are you? Yay! Hello, good, thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank Not you for joining all. us. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, so we might just start with uh, each of you introducing yourselves, maybe telling us a little bit about what kind of work you do and then the role you play in the theatre company, please, if that's all right. So we'll start with yourself, Charlotte, if that's okay. Absolutely. My name is Jarlath Tibnan and I'm an actor and a writer for Fagoli and other theatre companies. I started out primarily as an actor, but over recent years I've sort of drifted into the writing arena as well and I've written a couple of plays for Fagoli. Brilliant. Tara, can I ask a bit about you if you don't mind? Yeah, sure. Um, hi, my name's Tara Finn. I'm also an actor and a member of Fergoli. Um, I'm the I'm the most recent addition to Fergoli, the newbie, the baby. Um, mm-hmm. I would have joined Fergoli in the summer of 2019 uh, when we were doing a summer re- the summer residency in Roscommon Arts Centre. So that was the beginning of the residency road, I'd say, for Fergoli and Roscommon. And um, yeah, um, that's me. <laughs> Brilliant. Kate, can I ask about you, if you don't mind? Sure. Um, so my name is Kate, Kate Murray, um, and I am an actor with Fergoli Theatre Company. Um, I would have first started working with Fergoli the same time as Jarlith back in 2011. Um, so been a good long time working with Fergoli now, predominantly as an actor. I have directed two pieces, I think, also. Um, but yeah, predominantly my work with Fergoli is as an actor. Brilliant. Thank you, guys. It's great to Thank know you. a bit about you to start off. Um, so how did Fergoli Theatre Company come into existence? Like what year would you say it was officially founded? Were any of you co-founders? And um, yeah, how did how did the co-founder or the founders settle on the idea of a theatre company? Mm, I think uh, it was founded in 2007. Uh, and like many theatre companies, especially Galway ones, they were formed from college and friendships and doing dra- um, drama society shows together and really clicking with one another and then saying, hey, we should, we should continue to do this beyond, beyond university. So Maria Tivnan, um, our artistic director, she is one of the founding members along with Rob McFeely and Rebecca Ryan and Shane McDermott. I think they're Tracy Brune. And Tracy Brune, yeah. So I think their first show was um Bedbound End of Watch in two thousand and seven and they continued from there. I know Shane McDermott wrote a lot of original plays as well. So they would have focused on a lot of high energy pieces with rapid character changes and high emotions pinging left, right and centre. You know, a lot of the early Fergola shows you know, we're an hour of absolute adrenaline-fueled theatre and action, and people were left reeling afterwards. Um, I think us three here are part of an, a newer wave. I know we've been there a couple of years, a few of us now, but we came a little later. 
um, myself and Kate, as she said, in 2011. I think um, one of the plays um, that kind of sparked the idea of Fregoli coming into existence was in their, fi- I'm not sure actually if it was their final year of college, but at one point during college, Maria, our artistic director, and Rob McFeely, um, the, one of the founding members of Fregoli, would have done a play, uh, Disco Pigs, Enda Walsh's Disco Pigs, and they would have performed it at the Irish Student Drama Awards, the ISDA Festival. And I think I'm right in saying that won Best Production at ISDA, didn't it? I, I, know, I know Maria won Best Actress, I think, and Rob won Best Director. It was a really dynamic uh, production because they did revive yeah. it and we had the privilege of seeing it a couple of I years think. later. And um, Gina yeah. Moxley, who was one of the judges at the ISDA Festival that year, turned around to Maria and said, you know, you ha- this is something that you have to do. You can't just finish this after college. Like, you guys are really good. You need to do this. Like, you need to make a theatre company. And, yeah, I've heard Maria tell that a few times. So um, I think maybe maybe that show, you know, it had such a great effect. And I unfortunately never got to see it. But from what I've heard, it was an amazing show. Um, and that kind of got the ball rolling on this Fregoli idea. And Fregoli soon came into existence after that. Wow, that's an amazing like starter upper story. And you guys say that you're like a part of a new wave of the for, like Fregoli's existence. So how would you describe how Fregoli has changed and adapted over the years? Like are your productions still like that high energy like um adrenaline rush kind of uh, performance or would he have delved into new territories? I think I think we have delved like there is always that high energy in in a lot of the shows we still do and big emotions and trying to get to the root of the humanity of a piece. We have delved into more original work. Um, that's that's a big primary focus um, over the p- past number of years. A lot of our plays has been written by members of Fregoli Theatre Company. So that is certainly something, a, a big new element of Fregoli. Can I ask where the name Fregoli came from or what kind of word it is or what does it mean? Back in the day, I, I don't have the date in front of me, but um, uh, about 150 years ago, there was a quick change performer uh, known as, um, his surname was Fregoli, Leopardi uh, Fregoli. He was an Italian uh, actor and also writer and theatre maker. Um, and he became world famous for his rapid character changes on stage. It was just him, a stage, and a lot of costumes backstage. Amazing. Um, he became known, um, it, there was a conspiracy at one point um, when he was at the height of his fame that there was more than one for goalie. And um, so he invited the most suspicious of the um, journalists to watch him at work and he put them backstage and they got to see him undress and redress very quickly. Um, and after that, there was no more um, there was no more um, rumors about his authenticity. So um, yeah, and it, it, like that, what Charlotte was saying earlier was that quick change, that rapid speed between characters, and um, characters would pop up for a moment and then leave. It wasn't unlike for Goli, our namesake. It wasn't about costumes. It was about a change in the performance and the voice and the movement, and um, it added to that adrenaline filled shows um you didn't know what was going to happen next you know brilliant thank you once you get that review that's like they definitely have 20 in the cast then you know you've made it (laughs) (laughs) i think at the beginning when setting up for goalie and when maria rob tracy rebecca shane would have fixed on that name that was a real element of for that was key to the work that they were doing at the time that quick change two actors maybe in a play playing 10 different parts and that was like a key element of who Fregoli was you know that was similar in keeping with the plays they were doing at the time Disco Pigs, Bed Bound um, and that's still an element of Fregoli that we have today the high octane high energy quick change but that has definitely changed over the years it's not like you know we don't say okay we can only do plays that that happens in now somehow though we do find that style is a style that we use and we come back to and you know, I can think of the last few Fregoli plays I've done. It, it's it's still an element that is in our work, but I suppose um, that's kind of morphed and changed over the time, but it's it's still very much there. Brilliant. When you talk about some of the 
initial plays that the company would have done like Enda Walsh and Disco Pigs and stuff like that like themes that come to mind for me would be like maybe relevant to you guys as young people that are like you know maybe you know the human condition maybe coming of age even and like would that still would topics like that still be what drives a theater company or has that kind of changed over the years as well like what do you try to represent as a theater company well, it's, a, it's a really good question um you know i myself have written two plays and have almost written three plays for the for the company now so i can only speak from my perspective but i do certainly try and tell stories of of our time um and of our generation so that the first play i wrote for Fregoli was called pleasure ground and that tackled the idea of mental health and small irish communities and people leaving towns and coming back and specifically in that play, people were returning to their hometown because of a tragedy. Um, a man took his own life and there were four characters who were all connected to him and they all came home for his funeral and after the funeral met up in the local pleasure ground and all sorts of emotions boiled up subsequently. And, and the next play was about social media pressure and the constant pressure of trying to maintain a certain image of yourself online but that was flipped in reverse and these characters had this constant pressure of uh, promoting how miserable their lives were in order to make the audience watching feel better about their own that was their job and this newest play i'm writing for Fregoli now is called cross street which will be on in the roscommon arts center in november whether it's front in front of two or two hundred people we don't know but we'll we'll take whatever comes and that's about housemates and it's a, it's a world that's not explored an, an awful lot. I haven't seen a huge amount of plays that involves people living together in very intimate situations, but yet you can live with people and know nothing about them, um, which is a very strange position to be in. But I think a lot of people would be able to relate to it. Absolutely. You're saying it's either going to be two and 200. If it's two, it'll be me and Molly and we'll be in the front row. Oh, yeah. Have your banners <laughs> and your flags. Hey. And just... Yay! <laughs> would uh, would things that like would topics and ideas and issues that are personal and close to home would they be the ones that drive you the furthest in your work? I would say so. I think so. When I, I I'm thinking myself about the works that we would have put out last year, um, during our 2020 residency. One of the works um, last year that we put out was um, I Want You to Know Me, which was in direct response to the large increase in instances of domestic violence during the pandemic. And that was written and directed by Maria Tivnan, our creative director, and performed by Ushin Robbins, another member for Goalie Theatre. And that piece was, um, you know, it was definitely a, a direct response to the pandemic and what we were seeing and reading. And um, another work that happened last year um, that was another original work was um, Inside You Stay, which was something that I wrote and um, Maria again directed it. And it started, um, or the cast was, um, it had um, Jarlett from, uh, Jarlett and Kate that are here and uh, Emer uh, Finan and Eilish McCarthy, other members of Fergoli Theatre. And that was, a, that, that, that story, um, would have been um, very personal as it, it dealt with themes of um, the home being at both sanctuary and a prison, um, issues of mental health. And um, it, it kind of touched on theme, uh, you know, difficulties with communication with it, with, in a family. And um, it would have been, um, it would have been, it, it, it would have been, again, this piece was um, on the face of it, it seemed that, it was purely a reaction to the pandemic and what was happening um, within our own homes. But it, this piece was actually, um, um, I, 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 we, we were having, we'd have round discussions during the residency of stories maybe we wanted to explore. Um, just this was before the pandemic hit and um, because our theme for our residency is finding home. And that is a, broad theme that we have um, and it can it's it's moved and it changes 
Um, it's brought us to a lot of different places. Um, but for me, finding home when I was when we were discussing it, I was thinking of home being that place of um, self, you know, um, individuals who self isolate either due to health reasons or um, through for necessity or through um, social isolation. Um, and it just so happened that when the pandemic hit, it became so much more relevant to a much wider uh, a group of people. Um, and another piece we did last year, another digital work that we did last year was um, Home for Christmas, which was a community project, which um, we asked people to, um, to, we put out an open call for submissions between, um, I think the open call opened at the end of September and it was supposed to close at the end of October, but I think we kept it going for another couple of weeks just because um, it's hard to get people to talk about Christmas in September or October. Um, you've got Halloween way before that, or you know, you've got Halloween facing you down, so you don't want to be thinking about Christmas, uh, especially last year, because I think part of the reason we did do that piece, that is a seasonal piece, um, was because we were all thinking, you know, what is Christmas going to look like in our homes um, and in our um, you know, villages and communities next year um or this year when last year sorry when the you know when we were we didn't know where the restrictions were going to be and how whether people were going to get to come home or if it was going to be a case of um you know a christmas like we've never seen before um and so we encouraged um through the open call for people to send in their own writings whether they be memories of Christmas's past um, or fictional tales or poems or um, even artwork. We got um, two children who sent in artwork um, and they were fantastic. Um, but those stories were all about the personal. Um, everyone who writes in, uh, who, who submitted, all those pieces were very personal. And um, that was what drew us to making that work was that exploration of the personal. Um, because I think, many of us within the company that it's 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 those personal state uh, tales that really ground us in our exploration um and encourage us to keep going you know absolutely yeah before i pick your brains a bit more on your residencies in roscommon arts center can i speaking on behalf of all rookie theater artists what is the process of a residency from the application to actually getting into the room how does it work how do you do it <laughs> um well <laughs> i actually i didn't work on the application side of things for this this um residency that would have been um maria tivnan would have headed up the application process for this residency so i can't speak in detail, I suppose, about the application process because I wasn't so privy to it because Maria took on that massive amount of work, that side of things. All I know is that it, the application application process is long, grueling, very hard. <laughs> um, and and Jareth and Tara probably have a little bit more experience when it comes to the application side of things. But in terms of the residency and how it came about, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but I... I think that we were lucky in that Roscommon Arts Centre actually reached out to us in the in the early days and, and Jardith and Maria are both Roscommon natives. They're both from Boyle and County Roscommon and we had toured shows like Jardith's two shows. We'd done a national tour of Pleasure Ground and um, I don't think we had actually performed as a company in in Roscommon Arts Centre, I don't think. No, no, no we, 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 we bought a couple of shows to the Boyle yes, Arts Festival many times. we bought a couple of shows to the yeah. Boyle Arts Festival and we also performed during our national tour in, in Longford, which is just up the road. But because, you know, Maria and Jardith are and uh, Roscommon natives working in theatre and creating theatre, now currently based in Galway, but um, the Roscommon Arts Centre felt that it would be a good fit, that potentially we could become, if we were successful through the application process, a nice fit to be the company in residence and um, because of the strong Roscommon links. And Peter Shine, another member of Fregoli, is also a Roscommon native. And so it kind of just made mm -hmm. sense. And it was really good forward thinking of the, um, the artistic director of the Roscommon Arts Centre 
and Maria, and they very much worked hand in hand together in bringing that application to life. And in terms of conceiving it, you know, we had to sit down as a company and talk about what this Roscommon Arts Centre residency could potentially look like if we were to get it, because you have to do all that thought process before you have the certainty if you've got it or not, because you have to have it outlined, very clear, crystallised in your head for the application. So it's not a question of, oh, maybe we'll get it and then we'll think about it. You have to think it out very clearly, put it down in paper in the application, then wait to see, do you get it? Luckily, we did get it. Now, of course, it shifts and chains a little bit in terms of what you've put in. But overall, it 90% stays that same way and that same shape that you set out in the application process. So in terms of putting that those ideas together, we would have had meetings as a group and come together and had very for or informal discussions about what is it we want? What is it we want to gain for this residency? What is it that we think we could give as part of this residency? Who are we as a company? What is it we want to do? What is it we want to say? So a lot of it is about going very much back to the basics and having an honest conversation about what it is you want to do, how you want to do it, how you think it could be possible. And then putting that into some type of a shape and some type of a plan um, and putting that into the application process. But that was interesting, that kind of discovery of what it is we want to do. And we, we settled on this idea of, as Tara mentioned, finding home. And for us, there was just so many possibilities within that idea. We put a rough shape together. Then the pandemic came along, which is, you know, kind of funny when you're doing a residency about home and finding home and instantly that became a totally different thing altogether. But sorry, that's the long-winded um, response to, to a thing like this and how it comes about. There's a lot of planning and thought that has to go into it and a lot of forward thinking. That's really brilliant. And there are going to be like a lot of young theatre artist rookies that are going to be listening to that. So that'll be really helpful. Uh, thank you, Kate. And I suppose with the pandemic hitting and sort of changing your the the theme of your residency tenfold talk to us a bit about how you had to adapt um in terms of working by yourselves working from home were you were you still able to use the space of the art center what what happened there what did that time look like for you guys march 2020 i think it started um we were in the we went to the roscommon um Art Centre, um, I think it, may, it was maybe two weeks before the country went into lockdown. So it was just when um, the pandemic was starting to hit Europe. And at that point, we we didn't we didn't know what was going to happen. Um, we that that weekend that we were there, we were planning really our the finer details of our residency. You know the the dates, the um, the the the, the nitty gritty of it um, and we knew something was coming and we knew it was going to affect our residency how it would look um, the practicality side of it um, but I, I don't think any of us realised um, how much it was going to impact um, us um, I we, we adapted straight or very quickly by you know like everyone else going on Zoom um, ha having lots of weekly meetings and bi-weekly and you know or meeting as often as we needed to online um and i think all of us had this feeling that um i think everyone can identify with i think everyone when the, the first lockdown happened i think everyone took up a new project um whether it was my sister bought a massive jigsaw um my parents got obsessed with the garden um and us as artists i think like many other artists we wanted we had this feeling that we wanted to throw ourselves into the work and um we were lucky that through things like zoom um which was so helpful um to discuss ideas and to bounce off each other that we were able to kind of say okay well we won't be able to do these planned workshops for the company that we had planned with other practitioners it was a, they were those workshops were going to be a, a big feature of our first of our year of um, residency. It was about the development of the company um, that year of residency. It wasn't so much about output. It was more about uh, taking time for the company to, um, I suppose, take a step back and look at where we're at and um, up our skills and um, 
um, just kind of explore a bit more. Um, and a lot of our workshops with practitioners that we had planned, it just wasn't possible for them to move online. Um, you know, you can't do a movement workshop that easily uh, via Zoom. Um, it's possible, um, but in those early days, it, it, it wasn't feasible. Um, so I think that was why we ended up focusing on not only Cross Street, which was able to continue. The plan for Cross Street last year was for it to go to work, a work in progress. Um, stage and for that to be shown and we hoped that, that at that time we hoped that that would still be live in the venue um, but aside from that we because the workshops the professional workshops were now um, on, on on pause we moved more towards creating shorter pieces um, digital pieces that we could put online and share share with our audiences and connect that way with our audiences um, and it also, I think, helped us as a company get through the pandemic. Um, I, I, speaking for me personally, um, those Zoom meetings that we had uh, were a bit of a lifeline for me during the pandemic. Kept me focused on, um, you know, still being creative and having that sense of being together um, through working on these projects. You know, there'd be emails back and forth. Um, there'd be our text chain was on fire. Um, an awful lot of memes were shared um, and <laughs> yeah it was it, 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 the year turned out to look very different to how we initially planned it with the digital theatre it was a space we'd never gone into before but um, I think it, 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 it was the right choice for last year and this year then we were able to um, take up those workshops again and um, meet with those practitioners and learn from them and that's been absolutely fantastic and like Tara mentioned, like a lot of our, the first year of our residency, like it was a, the, one of the biggest things we actually wanted from that first year was time. We wanted time together as a company to develop because you don't get a lot of time, you know, in theatre um, often, you know, sometimes you're, you're under pressure to put a show together and, and which is also exciting as well. But time is a lovely thing to have um, to kind of sit back and kind of have time to say let's try this idea and if it doesn't work that's fine because we have the time to do this and let's see where it goes so it was nice to have those zooms you know sometimes we just um we brought scripts or we brought things that we found and we were like oh i just like to hear this being read out loud and it was so nice to have the opportunity to do that and then in the end i think we we ended up like putting one or two things online that were just we called it tangents which were just like little ideas and bits that came to us during these zooms that we're going absolutely nowhere. We're, you know, just a bit of crack. And and we decided to put them up. And like that, it was just nice to have the time to do those things. Obviously, it would have been a lot better to have that time and messing around together in a physical space. Because as great as Zoom is, and it was a lifeline for sure at the beginning, I began to wear tire of it, like I'm sure the rest of the world, very quick. And I was like, I just want to be in a space with these people. And... um there for me is just no comparison when it comes to theatre of like just being in a real life space. But Zoom was a great placeholder for a time. <laughs> Can I ask a bit about the digital pieces that you did put out during that time? I know you had Inside You Stay and I Want You To Know Me. So what was the process like of creating those digital pieces? What were they? What did they look like? What were they, what were they about? And I suppose, how did it challenge you? Like, did you have to invest in new equipment? Like, what was that process like? It was a journey, I think, because um, I think each piece that we did, you can see the quality of the, um, the maybe the camera work um, got a little bit, it, it, it changed, it, 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 there was an, um, it was a journey um the first the first i think the first digital piece we put out um was it, it was called home and it was um it was it was um it was just a piece of us um uh, of all the members of Fergoli who their journey to you know getting from you know getting onto the zoom for a meeting and it was put to um a beautiful um cover by uh, uh, Tracy Bruin, who's a, a singer, a songwriter in, in Galway, and a, n another member, former member for Goalie, who often still works with the company. And um, 
that was shot all on our phones, you know, shaky. Mine was very shaky um, and blurry. <laughs> um, but then the next, then the, you know, the, the first piece that was actually produced um, for digital, for the digital space was um, I Want You To Know Me. And um, that was a single camera setup where um, I think it was ushing, you know, that was part of the, part of the challenge as well is that the performer would be responsible for their own um, camera setup. So um, Ushin and Maria would have worked over Zoom, um, you know, with the piece, but then they would have, um, when it, time came to crunch, it was Ushin and his camera, you know, um, in a room by himself. And um, then that piece was taken and it was edited. Um, and inside you stay was a was a bit more challenging as there was more performers, um, and um, there was more shots. It was it wasn't just um, it wasn't just um, the actors you saw. There was also visuals from uh, from outdoors and um, nature and um, um, in different homes. Um, so that was more of a that was a larger project in terms of particularly um, storyboarding and um, editing. Um, and then, um, when we got to the point of producing, um, Home for Christmas, we really wanted to focus all our energies on the script, um, doing justice to, um, these fantastic pieces, stories that were shared by, you know, the public. So we put our energies into, um, the script um, crafting up a script together from all the story, as many of the stories as we could, um, and editing it together to make a um, the piece. And we provided the um, the the um, voice recordings for it. That was our first time going, relying or using our voiceover rather than delivery straight to camera, um, and we. Um, we, we got in touch with uh, Spicy Dog Media, a Roscommon-based company, and um, Peter Kilmartin, he um, he was in charge of um, directing um, the visuals for that piece. And that that was quite freeing for us as a company um, for, for, that pro for the process of making digital theatre because we were able to focus purely on the script and the, um, the performance, the vocal performance, and not worry too much about how the visual would look because we're not filmmakers. We For Home for Christmas, it was important to us that we wanted to do justice for these stories and we wanted to create a really rich um, viewing experience for our audience members, you know, that warmth of Christmas. Um, and so it was great to have uh, Peter Kilmartin from uh, Spicy Dog Media on board to to make it so beautiful and stunning and gorgeous and Christmassy. Um, and it was, um, that would have been, a, uh, in terms of production style or production quality, visually, it would have been a big step up because they're, that's their, that's their craft. That's their profession. Um, but it was really interesting for us as a company as well. Um, and we really enjoyed working, uh, recording the audio, um, on our mobile phones, um, in our homes and creating, mini um oh audio spaces using a lot of duvets um, and yeah. <laughs> there's creating a tent um <laughs> creating tents in our homes and i think this year um pieces that we're looking at um projects coming up our projects for this year in 2021 there there's a couple of audio product uh, projects that we are um that we're in the midst of uh, um, planning and creating um, and I think it's, I think it's, um, and I, I think it's a, 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 a um, I, I think for, for me anyway, it's, it's, it's the area that I'm more interested in rather than filming for digital, mm. um, I recording, um, for, for recording and putting out audio projects. Um, I think there's a magic to it. You can close your eyes, you can put on your headphones, sit back and you really, I get more of a feeling off being in a theater through that than watching a video, um, you know, on YouTube, um, which is also fantastic. Um, you know, like I, you know, I like watching them, but 
it's the cl the audio projects that I would have the th from theater companies and theater artists in the last year. They would have been the ones that really gave me that feeling of this is theater. So um, I'm yeah, I'm excited that we're continuing down this route of still connecting with audiences, mm -hmm. despite the theaters not being open yet. Absolutely. Do you think the the future of theatre and having live audiences will look or feel a bit different now that we've had to recreate theatre in online spaces in the past year? Like yourselves as a, as a company, we're faced with the challenge of filming things at home or improving your voiceover techniques or mic techniques. Do you think that will influence how you make theatre in the future? And do you think it's like or would you prefer just no let's just get back into the the let's just get back into the theater let's just get back into audiences let's just get back into how it was before covid hit well i suppose the the sands are shifting so much that it's 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 so hard to know just yet like me personally i still hold out hope for live theater it just cannot be beaten that's where it belongs it belongs in front of a live audience and being in the moment I, I think something that can certainly be a part of the future if we can have people in rooms together um, but also to be live streamed I, I, I you know for certain nights let's say if it plays in in a certain theater for a week or a couple of days and for one of those nights to be streamed there's certainly nothing wrong with that because it means you're reaching a wider audience some people that just cannot get to the theater for you know a hundred thousand reasons but they still get to see the show it's not quite the same but um it's it's the next best thing so i hold out hope for a little bit of both i think that there's a place for different dis media disciplines within theatre and I think that in the right show if there's the right reasoning for it I think that it can really add mm. to to the shows like I think Dead Centre are fantastic at lacing different different forms of um, media be it projections or audio into a live performance and I think that when used when there's a reason to use it and if it enhances the story that you're telling then I think it's amazing I think when it's used poorly and like this is cool we should add a projection into this theater piece because projection is cool then it's awful um i think it needs to be have a reason to be there and the reason for it being there needs it needs to aid the story along it needs to it needs to almost be a character in the piece as well you know and that's when it works really well and i'd be interested in Fregoli trying to you know weave some audio or multidisciplinary things into our future works if and when it's necessary to do so. Um, and like Charlotte was saying, yeah, the idea of live streaming, I think is also great for me personally. I have a little bit of a bugbear with like streaming a show for me. Just, I find that if you're watching a theater show and it's just one camera um, it's very dead. Like, whereas if you look at say the national theater in London and the national theater live, their filmmaking process when it comes to theatre is so artistic and and so with theatre in mind, not with filmmaking in mind. And that's the difference completely. So you can watch a National Theatre live show and you can feel like you're at the theatre and you don't feel like you're watching a piece of a film. Um, and that's like the, the, the way that they do that, the way that they bring those shows to life, I think is amazing. I would love to see more of that type of um theater like being filmed like that in ireland you know like i know druid did that with the cherry orchard last year um and that type of filmmaking when it comes to theater i find really really interesting but i'm less so interested in one camera at the back of a theater there and we can i'm like i'll just wait until i can go and see that in person because i'm missing the energy completely here Mm. reminds me of the dvds of the school musicals like <laughs> yes you have the one tripod set up at the back yeah. of st joseph's hall and it follows the speaker <laughs> um but but the, but but the thing about that is yeah, i watched a couple of those national theater shows and some of the abbey productions and druid shows filmed like that but it does require a lot of money, money. that's a that's a lot of tech there so you'll yeah. have you know big well-established theater companies would be able to afford something like that but many many other theater companies simply will not so we still hope on those on those live audience members absolutely 
Amazing, Kate. I feel like you really put into words there what I was struggling to articulate over the past few months. It's like, they do it so well, but I don't know how. Why isn't everyone else doing this? Oh, yeah, money. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. How does your, how is your 2021 residency looking? And like, how is it different from last year? What are you guys working on? What are some freedoms that are now becoming available to you? Are you still having to adapt your work? How's it going? Well, we're slowly branching out. It's been magnificent to be able to, as Tara mentioned earlier, a big part of the residency was upskilling, not only putting out things, but also, you know, improving our own skills in various uh, arenas. So we had a great physical workshop with Raymond Keane, a clowning workshop, and it was amazing. It was like being on holidays being back in the Roscommon Arts Centre together and feeding off each other's energies. We forgot how brilliant that was. And I know uh, both Kate and Tara can elaborate on their workshops they had with um, Deborah, isn't that right? Yeah, Debbie Wright, yeah, who's um, a really fantastic uh, street theatre artist. Um, and, you know, she's... She's toured the world with various companies. Um, so we had a workshop with her about the idea of street theatre and, and moving theatre outdoors and what does that look like and what does that mean and what's that different style all about. And I personally have no experience in that type of theatre and it's a completely different type of theatre than the theatre that I would be used to. And I find it really, really interesting. Um, so just the idea that we were able to, yeah, come together, be it with Raymond Keane. We also came together virtually with Annie Ryan. Um, and that was that was amazing. That was actually another example of a movement workshop that actually she facilitated entirely through Zoom. We were all in different counties and different areas and different homes, but she she um, delivered it in a way that she it really felt like we kind of came together. So that was that that surprised me actually at how well that movement um workshop worked via via Zoom. But it was fantastic with Raymond and with Debbie to be able to come back together into the space and just to have the time to to kind of learn together as a company from other practitioners. That was really, really enjoyable. And we also, um, I think sometimes we forget that within our own companies as well, we can learn from, we, we, we learn from each other because we work off each other all the time. But mm-hmm. there's no harm either in looking within the company and saying, oh, this person has skills uh, that we can all benefit from. And... It was fantastic because Emer Fine and another member of our company, she's trained in the Meisner technique. And so we had a fantastic workshop with her just the, uh, the other weekend um, where um, we got together and she gave us an amazing intro to the Meisner technique workshop. And um, it was, it, for me anyway, it was very, it, it, it was so enlightening because it was very different from any other um techniques that I would have done myself or workshops I'd have um, undertaken. And um, it's a great example of you don't always need to look, you, you don't always need uh, uh, to go outside to get uh, to, to upskill as a company altogether. You can, um, you can find the, the, you can find those um, resources within your own company. Um, so it's it, it, it's a good conversation, you know, if you're in a theatre company, especially a young theatre company that maybe doesn't have funding to, you know, sit around, sit around, have a discussion and, you know, have, what uh, what areas have you experienced in and what workshops have you done that maybe you can then share with uh, other members of the company. Um, and um, we were fortunate enough to have Umer, um, who, is, you know, she's still is she still still uses the Meisner technique in her own performance as an actor and in her um, directing as well. Brilliant, absolutely. We did a bit of Meisner technique in college and it's really fun. Would you mind describing a little bit of how it works? Well, yeah, I suppose we were, we got, you know, a one day workshop. So I wouldn't say in any way that I am trained in the Meisner technique, but it was a very nice uh, experience to get a little taster of it. And I suppose what I took from it, like a, um, what I like about it is this idea of honesty and, and bringing that honesty and the idea of listening to the other actor um, and making that the central focus completely. I think that's such an important learning. A lot of what we would have done would have been, um, what was it called? Uh, reactions or? Repetition. Repetition repetition so um it was actually draining um so we would have started by 
just pairing up uh, in pairs and you know say if I was paired with Jarlett now I might say to him as I look at him here now I see that he's wearing a pair of glasses so if I was to do a Meisner technique with Jarlett here now I might say you have glasses and he'd respond simply to me saying I do have glasses and this might go on for five minutes <laughs> but within those interactions something happens and there'll be a shift up at a point and it's actually fascinating to watch because to sit back and watch it yeah it was weird just you're having just these repetitions and you might think what the hell what's happening here and then you get into it and it's like a ping pong going back and forth and then something happens and you feel a different energy and it's actually kind of entrancing to watch it um and to do it um it was draining but yeah i i'd love to to go on and and learn a little bit little bit more about it sorry that's my um I don't know a huge amount about the Meisner technique. I've just got a taster. Emer would have been fantastic to, to talk to you about it, but it was a really enjoyable workshop. Mm, no, that was that was wonderful. Thank you. Um, can you talk to us a bit about the project that you're working on in Balladrine? Yeah, so um, Jardeth would know a little bit more about this because you facilitated workshops down there last year. This was part of our community engagement. So one of the elements of our um, residency is community engagement. And so we wanted to reach out and connect with um, uh, young people and, and adults in the um, in Balladrine, the Direct Vision Centre there. So last year, Maria, uh, Jarlith, Oshin and Eilish, uh, other members of Fregoli, would have gone down and facilitated some workshops in the centre. Of course, it was just as COVID was hitting. So I think there was only one or two workshops that you guys actually got to facilitate. And then lockdown happened and we've been unable to get back there since, but we've been really keen to kind of get back there. So um, we are going to be facilitating a week of workshops um, in July with um two youth groups at the centre and we're really really looking forward to that Jared it's going to be one of the facilitators taking taking part in that and I think you guys are all looking forward to getting back there yeah like as as Kate said we originally planned to do these uh, uh, um, multiple workshops um, with, with with the young people in the centre in Balladreen and it was kind of heartbreaking we had one workshop and I know myself and Oshin did with 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 the, the men there and, and Maria and Eilish went with the women and we had great fun together, even though there was a massive language barrier, you know, the, uh, the, the people there were only getting to grips with the English language, but the fun and the games and the exercises and the music, w w I remember myself and Ushin, we were dancing there, a traditional dance of theirs to river dance by the end of the workshop. It was mad fun. Uh, originally, you know, we'd, no connection but within two hours you know we were dancing together it was fantastic and then we had all planned to go down the week after that and of course you know COVID hit and that just wasn't possible so a lot of shifting sands but now uh, next week because we can do it outside we're going to be uh, you know bringing that fun and those games and that energy and that connection it's based around the word of share so we're just sharing good times together, fun times in the open area of Balladrine with a new group of people. And uh, we just hope to bring a lot of fun and energy and joy uh, and create it together. Facilitation is something that me and Misha talk a lot about on the podcast. And we, we had an interview with Catherine Sheridan and we talked about it at length. And I'd love to know a bit about um, yourself, Jarlith, or if, if the other, if, uh, Tara or Kate has done any facilitation in the past how would you how would you prepare your facilitation plan for a workshop like that with the objective of sharing and keeping in mind that there's a language barrier and things like that to keep in mind how would you prepare towards those kind of workshops mm. well that's a question we will be asking ourselves we're going to have exten extensive meetings over the next couple of days to make sure we know what we're doing when we go there I suppose it's you know, we have to keep in mind that there is a language barrier, so we have to form bonds very quickly because we're only there for a limited amount of time. So it's all about games that are simple and universal and can be described simply by gesturing, um, you know, to form a circle and 
you know get get the ball rolling and the main objective is that we connect to them and that we transcend uh, language so it's all about keeping it the games universal and accessible and energetic and all encompassing as well you know to get them all involved we just want to stir up uh, excitement and you know get them expressing themselves that'd be that'd be a huge thing for us it's going it's going to be a challenge but a challenge that we're really looking forward to when we would have discussed these workshops a few months ago as well one of the things that we would have done early on and maria our artistic director would have led this is she would have asked us each to kind of put on it a sticky note or just write down on a piece of paper ourselves personally three objectives what we would like kind of what we would like participants at the end of the workshops to say about the workshop uh, what we would like their experience to have been so we would have written down like two or three things each maybe connection we want them to feel like they actually had a connection with us or with the material or we want them to feel like they had a good time or um you know we want them to feel hopeful or something after it and so that was a really good exercise and something that i think is good for all facilitators prior to uh putting together a workshop to maybe go what do i want this workshop to feel like for the participants what do i want them to come away and say that felt like this because that's really good to keep that in your head uh you know throughout each game is this ticking this box so it's not just you know a random set of activities that you've learned down through the years and you can fire out that's great um but i suppose to curate a workshop in keeping with your end goal of how you want the experience to feel is something that's really important so we would have then come back and shared our ideas and our thoughts and what we would have found is that a lot of us said similar things similar words and so we're very much on the one wavelength when it comes to the type of workshop we're interested in leading but again like everything it's good to talk about these things because it might just seem oh yeah sure we all know uh, we want it to be good we want people to have a good time but actually it's good to say those things out loud and to remind yourself and even have three type of a words so you're you're making sure in time all the time that you're you're going to kind of deliver the type of workshop you want to deliver okay. amazing um I'm just conscious that we are getting close to wrap up time. So I'm going to rudely combine a listener's question with one of my own questions. And one thing that I wanted to ask towards the end of the this interview was what advice would you give to someone or a group of people who are thinking of starting a theatre company? But I'm actually going to bring in a listener's question uh, who asked... Um, are there advantages and or disadvantages to being a rural based theatre company? So what advice would you give to a group of people who may be based somewhere in rural Ireland, outside Dublin, outside Galway or Cork City, who want to start a theatre company? Well, that, that is a really good question. I Personally, I haven't experienced much disadvantages from being a more rural based company. I think there's more breathing space being a rural-based company um, because uh, often challenges can be a space um, for, you know, very practically rehearsal space can be a challenge, but in less choked up areas, that's it's more accessible. I think there's so many rural stories to be told. I'm particularly interested in rural stories. So I think that's, you know, there's still a huge scope to be explored there. Um, Guys, can you help me out in terms of advantages, disadvantages? It's a good question. It's a good mm. question. Um, I think there's huge advantages, like Charlotte, like Charlotte was saying. Um, mainly being that, like, yeah, there's just there's 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 a lot of stories to be told, and and there's there's such a place for more rural type stories and rural vo voices in Irish theatre. Uh, one disadvantage, I don't like. I don't know. I think it's important. I think for us anyway, when we, we, we create work and like a lot of the time we'll, we'll open it in Galway and that's, that's really good for us because we'd be a Galway based theatre company. And I think that's really nice for us to kind of share our work in Galway first and rural areas. I do think it's important for a company, a rural company, you have to get to Dublin to show your work. You can't 
you can't just say we don't do Dublin like it is important that you get to Dublin and it is important that you show your work in Dublin and I think that that's an advice that I would give if you're a rural based company starting out make sure your work gets seen in Dublin as well like we'd we'd have a good relationship with Smock Alley Theatre and we'd whenever we can we'd if we'd have a show we'd make sure we also perform it in Dublin as well um but I think there's huge advantages to to being a company based outside of Dublin absolutely yeah that's that thanks Kate for highlighting the thing about having to get to Dublin it is important even for the very basic element of being reviewed you know uh, and 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 getting you know you, you need reviews at the end of the day you need to be recognized nationally as something good you know and worth seeing and um, you know the fact is most of the big national reviewers are based in Dublin so that would be uh, a big element of the challenge of, of, of getting up there um yeah any any other advice that you give to um, a singular person or a group of people who want to start a theatre company I think if you have a common mindset and and a goal and have the stories you want to tell and um, you have to have that kind of mandate. We are creating a company because we have these particular interests, these particular skills, um, these stories that we want to tell that nobody else we feel is telling. So yeah, you, you kind of have to go out with that sort of attitude and that mindset and a sense of togetherness. And you have to be prepared to work hard and be dedicated and work in every sort of area when when building a show you know to hang in the posters to grab that light for me there will you and you know throw it up the ladder to acting directing it's a big collaboration and teamwork you also really need to get to know the people you're working with mm -hmm. like a lot of young theater companies if you if you worked well with people in college if you did shows together and if you found that you had a good relationship when working and you admired their work and you want to work with them because you admire a trait in their work or you want to learn from them. That's a good feeling to go with. Go with the people that you would like to work with. Try to work with them and try to say, let's create something and then get to know the people you're working with and get to know what's their skills and what's your skills and how you work together. I really think it's, um, it's about using the people around you that are good and working with them, you know, um, and having a good time while you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's a very important thing. You have to have a good time and enjoy each other's company in a way. It's a family outside your own family. You really have to, as Kate said, admire and love working with these people because it's not easy. I mean, this residency is a big deal to us. It's, you know, Fregoli's been going since 2007 and we've been working on meagre budgets to no budgets, you know, just really getting shows out there by the skin of our teeth. So it requires a lot of dedication. I think Pleasure Ground was, did we get, we got a bursary from the town hall of five grand and it's like we won the lotto. Like we couldn't believe we had these sacks of cash to create this show it was unbelievable so it does take time and dedication but if you enjoy the people uh, and you love the work it'll be worth it in the end i i think i'd also like to just add that um you know if you come up through um for um doing say performance undergrads or um you know, going to drama school and stuff, you might meet that group of people that you form that theater company with. But there is other ways, you know, um, uh, listeners might be, you know, they may, might have taken an unconventional route to um, working in theater. They might have started in youth theater and worked up that way. And that was certainly the case for me. Um, I didn't study theater as an undergrad or as a master's. Um, and I got involved with the company because I'd worked with all of the guys um, on other projects outside of Fergoli and I got to know them that way um, so just because you might not have come up through say an educational or a training background with a group a large group of people that you've connected with um, you know um, if you if there's faces that you keep working with on other productions um, you can still, you, you know, you can still find yourself um, forming a theatre company or joining an existing theatre company. Um, it's all about, like the guys are saying, if you enjoy working together and if you trust each other and 
you have similar um, ideas and um, hopes for the work. And, um, you know, you, if, if working consistently with one group of people appeals to you, um, then there's ways to, to get to, to end up in that space, end up in that uh, working environment, um, even if you haven't for, been at the beginning of the company. Thank you so much, guys. Gorgeous. So inspiring. I think, lovely, I think it's a lovely spot to finish things up as well. So Daryl, Kate and Tara, thank you all so much thank for coming you. on today. So lovely to chat to you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks a million. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you. There you have it. That was the wonderful Jarlett Tivnan, Kate Murray and Tara Finn from Fergoli Theatre Company. Thank you so much to the guys for making time in their busy schedule to join us for that great chat. You can find them as Fergoli Theatre Company on Facebook, at Fergoli Theatre on Instagram. You can also check out their website, fergolitheatre.ie, for more info on them or to get in touch. Make sure to keep an eye out for their production, Cross Street, later this year. You can find our podcast, In Fairness, on Acast, Spotify and iTunes. Make sure to tune in next week and we hear from the amazing Anthony Keir. You can hear more from us and our interviewees on our Instagram at InfernusPod, same on Twitter and Infernus Podcast on Facebook. Feel free to get in touch with us on any of these platforms with questions or suggestions. And if you enjoyed the interview, please feel free to share it on your stories. Let other people know it really, really helps us out. Thank you again to Roscommon County Council for supporting us in creating this series and to our wonderful mentor, Catherine Sheridan. You've been listening to In Furnace Inquire, Roscommon Artists. Research, questions and producing by Molly Mew. Sound engineering, editing and producing by Misha Fitzgibbon. Thank you so much for listening. We'll chat to you next week. Music